Hey everyone, what's going on? Cody Grant here along with Anthony Mandela. NFC, AFC title games have come and gone. The Super Bowl is set. It's Patriots-Rams. Anthony gave me a text the other day, said, hey man, let's do a podcast talking about these games because you had a feeling we're going to disagree on almost everything. Yeah, which is <laughs> which is pretty accurate. And I And full disclosure for those of you listening, we did not discuss at length anything. Literally what Cody just told you was the pitch. I just texted Cody... You want to do a podcast about the championship games? I pr- I just assume that we won't see eye to eye. Is basically how it went down. So here we are. It's going to be completely kind of off the cuff in the moment, because um, I don't actually know to what extent you might disagree with me, Cody. <laughs> I just my gut feeling was telling me after seeing a couple of tweets during the game. Um, Your exact word for word text. My gut is telling me that we have different takes on the championship games. I responded. Yes, let's do it. Yeah, so, yeah, so here we are, coming at you uh, at 1057fmthefan.com, maybe the radio.com app you're listening. Um, so, I don't know, why don't we start with Saints-Rams? You sure. Uh, so, Just go in order of the day's games. Okay, so that game, obviously, Sunday, kickoff about 2.30, right? Yeah. I think, if I'm not mistaken. So, I woke up about noon, 1 o'clock, took a shower, got sat down, sure. got my food ready. Got my pop ready. Didn't drink on Sunday. I want to be completely sober sure. through all these games so sure. I can give my best takes possible, even though <laughs> that may be worse than my Come drunk Monday. takes. <laughs> so I was sober throughout both games. I had the Saints winning this game. I, uh, yeah, as I, did I. I bet them on the uh, spread, minus three. So I was really confident. They got off to a great start as far as the interception they got in the red zone a few times, but kind of stalled out in the red zone. They only came up with a 13 nothing lead. I felt like it should have been at minimum 20 nothing. Yeah, that was certainly within the realm of possibility, I think. Um, and watching that first half, um, I thought that game was going to finish out the way I anticipated, which is the moment just got too big for Jared Goff. It got too big for Sean McVay. And it wasn't that they were playing bad. It was just that in those crunch time moments, They weren't able to get the job done. And the first half looked exactly like that. Aside for what you had mentioned, they were able to slow the Saints down in the red zone. Um, So I thought this game was in hand, and then come halftime, I went to the store, uh, got some food to make for dinner, and then when I came back, we were probably closing in toward the end of the third quarter, and all of a sudden it was like 20-17 to Saints. And I thought, I kind of knew then. Something's going to happen, and this game is not going to end the way it ought to. You got that feeling, and going back to Jared Goff real quick, the reason why I picked the Saints was because of Jared Goff. I thought Goff was going to come out in the biggest game of his career to date and just lay an egg. I thought he was going to throw a few picks. He threw the one pick. I didn't think he had enough in him to lead a game-winning drive or lead a crucial drive. I was wrong about Goff. Yeah. Uh, I was definitely wrong about Goff. I think part of it, too, that we have to keep in mind is when he went out there and he started to do this, um, I want to say it was like late third quarter and into the fourth quarter, Todd Gurley was literally <laughs> nowhere to be found. And in the first half, I think he was uh, held to something, or maybe it was the first quarter, held to negative two total yards. That was so bizarre. Which is insane. And then comes the second half and you start to get into these high-pressure situations where you need big plays to get yourself back in the game. C.J. Anderson got the call. Now, if I were to tell you week one, hey, man, 
NFC title game. That C.J. Anderson is going to carry the Los Angeles Rams to the Super Bowl. You have Todd Gurley, but you're going to bench him for C.J. Anderson. Who you've had on your roster for, what, three <laughs> weeks? He is the freshest back in the NFL. Yeah, fair enough. Um, but that just stunned the hell out of me. And so between the presence of Anderson and Goff's inexperience, I just thought kind of what the hell is going on here. Um, and like I mentioned shortly ago, I got the feeling that something was going to happen in this game. I didn't actually know if it was going to tilt the Saints or the Rams way when all was said and done. But for the Rams to come back in the way that they did, I knew something was up. Either somebody, and again, because I was at the grocery store, because I thought this one was in hand, <laughs> and I was going to saddle up for Chiefs Pats on the nightcap. I knew that something, either the Rams were coming alive out of nowhere, the Saints were falling apart. I thought maybe there was an injury. I didn't know what was going on. But I thought something, in some way, some sort of chicken was going to come home to roost. And that came in the form of, I guess, what, the two-minute drill in the fourth quarter? Yeah, and it came to a head when we saw possibly the biggest blown call at least I've ever seen watching football my entire life. It was definitely worthy of consideration. I mean, I saw that, and my immediate thought was, awesome. I'm going to at least you know get the three points because they're in field goal right, range. The they're going to take a couple of knees. They're going to kick the field goal and win the game. All right. I don't lose any money. And then all of a sudden, no flag. Wait a little bit longer. Still no flag. What the hell? Like, no flag on that? Like, that was a pass interference. Everything to the helmet, about it was textbook. Unnecessary roughness. Like, you could have thrown four different flags and called four different penalties on that act alone. Sure. And this isn't to say that, you know, we understand. I think this is one thing we can agree on. There's calls on probably every single play in the NFL that could be called that get missed. Absolutely. Um, and it's part of it is just by virtue of there's more guys on the field, there's more one-on-one matchups on the field than there are sets of eyeballs to keep track of all of them. Um, and that's partially, I think, the shortcoming of the NFL. Um, I think the NFL could probably clear up a lot of these situations by simply having more officials. Or, as eventually Sean Payton <laughs> <laughs> brought up in the press conference, it's kind of it is kind of ridiculous that you can review so many things in the NFL that are yes or no, but you can't review something that's a one-person judgment call. Right. That you can't go back on that on instant replay. Now, people will talk about the human element, and they like that in sports, and I tend to agree. When, and, but not when it directly impacts the outcome of a game. Exactly. Like, I said this probably at least... 35 times as the Saints got screwed. Yeah, they, they got <laughs> screwed. They got screwed. And I don't think it's a matter of necessarily, you know, the human element, because that's the argument people use in baseball for the strike zone. But also in baseball, you're talking about, as the numbers and the science is out, it should be scientifically impossible for a ball coming in that fast for the human eye to detect until it's there. Absolutely. So the fact that they're even kind of close is one thing. And you also get three chances if you get screwed. <laughs> These are make or break plays in games. And I, you know, people are saying, 
you know, you wouldn't be saying that if it wasn't such a big game. No, this happens all the time. It happened in week two in the Packers-Vikings game. <laughs> it happened in week one in the Packers-Bears game. It happened against the Washington Redskins in week three in what all were ultimately irrelevant games I'm, for the Green Bay Packers. I'm going to preface this really quick, too. Of the final four teams, the two yes. in the NFC and the two in the AFC, I like all four of those teams. And I don't. I have no, but like my point <laughs> is, I am not biased. Right. I like the Rams. I love Sean McVay. Todd Gurley is one of my favorite players in the National Football League. Sure. But the Saints got hosed. I didn't really have, like in that particular game, I didn't have a team that I had preference for one over the other, but... As just a fan growing up, Drew Brees has been the guy most of my I was rooting for Drew Brees. Football. I would I'm admit always that. rooting for Drew Brees unless he's playing the Green Bay Packers because I think he's a tremendous dude and a tremendous football player. Um, but in the NFC side of things, I really, you know, if the Saints just got whooped, fine, whatever, it's the Rams. I didn't think the Rams had a chance in hell whether they got the Chiefs or the Patriots to win the Super Bowl because I thought both of those teams could just completely smoke them. Um, but it's the way that they lost. And I guess, cause there's a part that we'll get into when we fast forward to the chiefs Pats game, but when it came overtime then, so you're in a situation where a, an egregiously missed pass interference call had, and again, it's always, well, you don't know this could happen. That could happen. You're an idiot. Just shut the fuck up. Like, you know, there are certain <laughs> things in an NFL game because push comes to shove you know, in that situation, it's tied. All that stuff before doesn't matter all at that, that point. Right. All that stuff before doesn't matter. Let's say they call the pass interference. Let's say, you know, as you mentioned, uh, the Saints play clock management. They, you know, work the clock down. They kick the field goal, and he misses the chip shot. Well, still, we're in a different situation, but the events that take place. You can't change the course of what happens before or after. But we can all agree that a call like that being made would, in some way, shape, or form, impact either in the Saints' favor, in the Rams' favor, in momentum's favor, it in some way impacts the game. You're an idiot if you think otherwise. If they make that call, the Saints' probability of winning that game is 99.999%. Right. You have a chip-shot field goal from one of the best field goal kickers in the NFL and Will Who Lutz. I cut for my fantasy team Why would you three? do that? Well, you know what? Well, it was whenever he had his bye week, <laughs> and at the time... He was like fifth ranked among kickers, and Mason Crosby was first, and he was on the free agent pool. So I went and picked up Mason Crosby, uh, and that did not work out because then Will Lutz got picked up, and uh, hey, I, well, cut, I still finished third in my fantasy. I cut Greg Zerline. You know why? Because I only hold one kicker on my team. I sure. stream kickers, just like defense. Sure. I don't even care. Fair enough. Whatever. Um, but But the point being is that we might not have even been in an overtime situation where all you people that know football better than the people that play the game— Say, Drew Brees, you know, he had an opportunity, he had the ball, and he blew his chance, whatever. Yeah, but also the refs blew their chance for them. See, here's and the, the issue I have isn't with Drew Brees, because I mentioned, I didn't have a personal stake. I didn't care which team went. I like Drew Brees, but I didn't really care which team went. What I have an issue with is that now we've seen a handful of games, this year in particular, where a horrible call from the officiating crew is both not reviewable and has in some way, shape, or form a direct impact on the course of the game. Yeah. We can I agree mean, on that? I can't disagree with you on that. Okay. I think we're in the same standpoint when we talk about this debate. And another thing I want to say is, like, so when I say the Saints got screwed, that does not mean that I'm saying 
the Saints don't deserve blame for that loss. No, they absolutely I am, do. I am not saying that the play calling was perfect by Sean Payton or that Drew Brees didn't that's not his fault. He threw that interception in overtime because even with that blown call, the Saints were still in perfect position to win that game. Sure. So I'm not saying as you mentioned, they I'm not saying for field goals I never the said the, the Rams half. didn't deserve to win the game. No, the Rams did. Their team played well enough to deserve to win. Absolutely. the Absolutely. But you're talking about a call like that, that blatant. That everybody in the world can agree that sure. was a missed call, including Nikel Roby Coleman, including the yeah the NFL admitted <laughs> to it immediately after the game, like they blew the game. Roger Goodell could go into his office today and say, "All right, we're going to restart the game from that standpoint." He could do that. The fact that he has that ability to it and people are actually talking, he's not going to do it. We of all know not. that. But I'm just saying. It undermines the credibility of his league if he does that. So it's kind of it's a screwed. useless rule The to Saints have. got screwed. The Saints got screwed, and then they blew the game. Both are true. Yeah, they're both true. Both accurate. Now, they it, also, And it wasn't just in, the, in overtime or in that tail end of the fourth quarter that they blew the game. They blew the game at all sorts of points in the oh, game. Oh, absolutely. Not converting fourth downs. There's a million points in a game they blew the that game. you could look at. They blew the say, game in the first That's quarter. That's when they blew it. They should have, it should have been a runaway. Well, the thing is, as everyone's so apt to mention, man, any given Sunday, well, the thing is, yes, any given Sunday, either team could have won this game, and one team's chances was drastically reduced by a horrendous intervening call by the officiating staff. And I hate when people say, well, look at the first quarter. If they score touchdowns instead of field goals, they wouldn't be in that position. You're not wrong. And if that pass interference call would have been made, they would have been in a different exactly. position. So the Saints could have done more. The officiating could have played a hand in it. And on the same note, the Rams could have played horrible the whole game. Or this could have gone the Rams' way. Like I mean, I Rams, think we're on we agreement here. I think we're on the same page. Okay, so should we flip then? Because, I, I, you know, we've probably... Uh... We've probably wrapped up as much as there is to talk about that because it was so isolated on that one play. Whereas the Chiefs-Pats game uh, had me screaming at my television for probably the entirety of the fourth quarter in overtime. Before we get to that Chiefs-Pats game, I just got one question for you as a result of the finish of that Saints-Rams game. Yes. Would you like to see replays on possible penalties within two minutes? I don't think it's a matter of it being within two minutes. The thing that the NFL needs to do just across the board, because it seems like every year there's some element of the rules that the officials either don't understand or a judgment call ends up making a difference for a team season. And you can say what you will about the officials in baseball, the officials in basketball. I get the sense that in the NFL in particular, officials far more often dictate the outcome of the game. Oh, it... Brings the definition. It's a game of there's, inches. There's such a there's small. So many chances because on any given NBA possession, every 30 seconds, roughly, you have the ball in your hand. And the NFL doesn't work that way. And in baseball, you know, you're going to get, each team's going to get, you know, barring some sort of rain out completion situation, each team's going to get nine cracks with three chances to do their damage. You don't get that in the NFL. In theory, and this is the way the Patriots started the game in Kansas City, one team, as long as they don't fumble and they just get four four (laughs) yards per play, can own the ball virtually the entire game. You're only guaranteed one possession each in 60 minutes of football, mathematically speaking, because you're guaranteed the kickoff at one point in either half. 
And even at that point, they could onside kick, and you might potentially never get the ball. It is statistically possible. Statistically. Very unlikely. Very unlikely. But what I'm saying is in other sports, in baseball, you're guaranteed. Absolutely. A chance. Same thing with the basketball. Offensively. Basketball. You're guaranteed. Same thing the with. The opportunity. Hockey's a little bit more like football in that in sense. Ba- in basketball, you can have your shot completely broke, and the other team can do something to award you free opportunities to score points. So the NFL is unique in this sense, and officiating kind of needs to reflect that. You can't officiate football the same way you officiate other games. So I think they need more officials on the field. I think they need to scrap anything from the rule books that could possibly be considered a judgment call, like roughing the passer or unnecessary roughness. I think what they, they've done, especially with the NFL, is they made rules so complicated to where not only the fans don't know what the rule is, the media doesn't know what the rule is, the officials don't know what the rule is. Right. What is a catch? I still don't know what a catch is. My biggest what is roughing the, the passer? Rule. I don't know what that is. That's like, Here are the things that I want to understand from the NFL's perspective. Um, and we're going to break down, as I mentioned, we're going to get into these late uh, game drives at Arrowhead Stadium. Um, but in the overtime period, Tom Brady, uh, on third down, received a roughing the passer call in which a Kansas City lineman literally tapped Brady's front shoulder pad without impacting the direction of the throw that was going to be incomplete by a mile. In week three at FedEx Field in the nation's capital, Aaron Rodgers was picked up and thrown on his head and no flag was thrown. You can't tell me, and and those in theory are two guys that should both be getting the superstar call. There's no reason that a, a play in which Aaron Rodgers is literally thrown on his head is not flagged, and Tom Brady gets a call in that crucial of a game, in that pivotal of a situation where he's tapped on the shoulder and gets a roughing the passer call. Those kinds of rules just should not exist in the rule book. So I'm a Brady super fan. I know you are. I love Brady. And this is a podcast that we're going to have to do on another day because I could fill up about two hours talking about how Tom Brady, everyone needs to just calm down. And I can... Philip, about two hours, how everybody needs to rise up. So we, so that's four hours total. Let's just talk to Chuck and Bart. Maybe they want a Friday off and we can just And just do a Tom show. Brady show? Yeah, just the Tom Brady Express? Show. Tom Brady Express or something like that? Something like that. Okay. Yeah. But anyways, yeah, I saw that call. I was like, how did, like how did you call it for that? Can we agree that's just ridiculous? Absolutely. Now, so... In that situation, I think what the official did, and I'm not saying he's right for doing this. I'm just telling you what I think he did. I don't know how good of an angle he had on that, and he saw the hand come down, and he just assumed it hit Brady in the in the which face is, mask, right. which is wrong. You can't assume that. Right. So maybe you do need another official on the field because I don't know how. It's like another thing too in real time. Like I look back at the penalty in the Saints Rams game, how blatant that was because. It was clear cut as day. The Brady one, when you watch the replay, yeah, you know, he just hit him in the shoulder. Right. But in real time with the Brady sure. play, it is, I understand why that would be tough to call. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that was a penalty. I don't think it should have been a penalty. Sure. I think it was a missed but again, call. A penalty it was a bad that call. directly impacted the outcome of the game. You're right. You're right. Not disagreeing with you. Okay. Um, but yeah, like just judgment calls like that. So As far, we've been, to, I think we've been like 100, 100. I know, and I'm getting angry, and you can probably tell in my <laughs> voice because I'm wanting us to disagree, and we're not disagreeing. Um, but, you know, whether it's Nikel Roby Coleman 
in the Saints game or that call on Tom Brady. Those are two crucial penalties that all but directly impacted the outcome of the game. And their call or no call in those situations ended up tilting the favor from one team to another. And that's just simply put, there should be no situation in any sport that the officiating directly impacts the outcome of the game or has that kind of influence. They're there to just enforce the rules. Now, D Ford being a dumbass and lining up offsides, that's not an official directly impacting the outcome of the game. That's not a judgment call. Game's over. He was across the line. The game is over if he that's doesn't cross the line. He's across the line. That's it. Cut and dry, right? But with things like pass interference, with things like roughing the passer, these judgment calls that we saw in the two, to this point in the season, biggest games directly, directly change the course of the outcome of the game. Um, And so... In that Chiefs-Pats game, again, it was it was kind of a role reversal. The Patriots, as the Saints were in New Orleans, the Patriots were essentially manhandling the Chiefs in the first half of that game. Um, they were managing the clock perfectly. Uh, the, the Chiefs really weren't able to get much of anything going. Then they come out in the second half, and the Patriots kind of, you know, did their thing that they do with Bill Belichick that... He has done masterfully for the past 20 or so years that people criticize Mike McCarthy for constantly, which is that he started managing the game instead of running up the score. Um, that's probably another podcast in and of itself. <laughs> There's too much content to fill in right. one podcast. But, you know, and then the Chiefs started to inch back into it, um, and eventually the game was tied. There was a the situation... It was, I want to say it left two minutes and three seconds on the clock. Spencer Williams um, gets the ball down the left sideline um, from about 20 yards out, and he just runs it right into the end zone. And that's a play I remember, and you might remember this too, because I remember as a younger person, the national pundits going nuts. There was a regular season game, Eagles-Cowboys in Dallas, where Brian Westbrook, I believe it was, was running, and they were in that similar situation in a two-minute drill type offense, or I guess a four-minute offense at that point. And he laid down at the goal line so that they could then start running the clock down. And then the fantasy after, owners were extremely upset. Right. But that doesn't matter at that point. And that's the difference where a guy like Spencer Williams, who's not a heavily seasoned NFL running back, he just ran the ball in. So what you essentially did in that situation was you gave the Patriots four timeouts to go down the field. And all they needed was score to send it to overtime. Whether it's Tom Brady, whether it's Patrick Mahomes, Aaron Rodgers, it could be Matthew Stafford. And this is this is where um, people started, this is where I really started to get the sick feeling in my stomach from that the NFL just really needs to look itself in the mirror and wake the fuck up at what they're doing to their own game. Two minutes and three seconds in a game in which tapping someone on the shoulder is roughing the passer in which incidental contact with wide receivers is often called pass interference, whether you have Tom Brady, whether you have Aaron Rodgers, whether you have Blake Bortles, the rules are so skewed toward the passing game and toward teams being able to drive down the field in crunch time like that. Two minutes and three seconds with three timeouts and the two-minute warning is too much time to give any quarterback in the NFL. And so, hell, thirty-seven seconds was too much time to get Patrick Mahomes. Right, as you, yeah, exactly. You saw then the Patriots went down, and then Patrick Mahomes brought him right back down the field. And then two plays, they were in field goal range. It was right. crazy. So the rules are so skewed toward the offense 
that you simply the the competitive balance and this is this is what kind of woke me up um particularly in the Chiefs Pats game it became so obvious to me that the game from a competitive balance standpoint is so skewed against the defense that you could have had any defense almost out there there was almost no way given the situation in terms of what you had to run offensively given the circumstance of the game that you were going to stop an offense in that situation especially the pats offense right now especially the pats offense right now tom brady has dropped plays, back 90 times in this postseason he hasn't been sacked one time you look at the plays that tom brady made on that drive none of them really were spectacular he didn't have these hail mary uh third and 25 we need to move the chains or fourth down conversion type plays he was just effortlessly chipping off 10 15 yards a pop he does that though he does right he does that but what i'm saying is those are throws that again given the way the rules are skewed toward the offense that if you have a receiver of julian edelman's caliber that's a throw that matthew stafford could make that's a play that you didn't need a hall of fame quarterback to make and then when they got into the red zone, it wasn't the Hall of Fame quarterback making the plays. It was the running backs gashing the defense for 5, 10 yards because dinking and dunking down the field in that way exhausts them to such a point that you don't need to throw the ball. And so, and this is where I'm getting at, and this is, you know, I was, I was about an inch away in Twitter terms from sending a tweet out, but I was a couple of rum and Dr. Peppers in, and I just, I was still cognizant enough to say it's not worth the potential firestorm because I'm not fit to deal with it right now. Football just isn't fun anymore. I don't care if you have a Hall of Fame quarterback. I don't care how high-powered your offense is. I don't care about any of that. When the rules are so skewed toward the offense and when the defense virtually has no chance, regardless of what they do, they could, you could play the best man-to-man zone. You could have all the right calls. But when you can't touch anybody, you can't play defense. And that was on full display in Kansas City. And it's the reason, in my opinion, that much like the Saints got screwed, the Chiefs got screwed. And this is where I think we might disagree. This is where we would disagree. Okay, here we are. I don't think the Chiefs got screwed. Patriots dominated that first half. They did. To go up 14-0. Patrick Mahomes outplayed Tom Brady. That's sure. for sure. Sure. That call, the roughing the passer call on Brady, absolutely yeah. horrible. Horrendous. Gave him 15 yards. Converted in a the play. Down. It should have been a third and seven. Right. And who knows? Maybe they picked it up. I mean, they picked up third right. and tens. Again, we're not saying we're predicting the future. Exactly. Here. We're just saying it was based a bad on normal call. football logic. It was a horrible call. There are certain things you can predict as you would in the second quarter or before the game even starts. But when I look at the Saints game and the Rams and that missed call, and I try to compare that to what happened in the Chiefs-Patriots game, I just don't think those two even come close to measuring up. Now, if you want to talk to, talk to me about overtime rules, we can do that. We're, 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 we're guiding the conversation to that point. Two overtime yes. rules. I th- And I think if I were to predict, we're in agreement on what we want to see in NFL overtime. I could be wrong, but I think we're in agreement on where we're going to go. We might be. But the fact is, if you think the the Chiefs got screwed in that game, they did have every opportunity to come away with a win. Right, but that's where I'm getting at with football. You don't have every opportunity. 
because the offense has all the opportunity. And the who, game, are, who the has game, the best offense in the NFL? The Chiefs do. But when it came down, the game is on the line. They had their one shot, and they capitalized on it. They did their job. But what I'm saying is you don't have an opportunity when the rules are so heavily skewed toward the offense that if you don't possess the football, you don't have an opportunity. So you're going to the overtime now. The over Well, it also applies to, I think, the two-minute uh, offense for both teams in Be- the fourth quarter because the Patriots in that sense got screwed also. Yes, but in all two, two, you go back to that uh, when the Chiefs scored that touchdown, the go-ahead touchdown with two minutes and three seconds to go. Andy Reid has got to let his guys know, don't score here. Sure. Don't score here. You but, cannot leave, who, in my opinion, the greatest quarterback of all time, two minutes and three seconds with three timeouts and that two-minute warning, that amount of time to drive down the field. And then the Patriots scored too soon yeah. because you saw how fast Mahomes got down the field. By right. the way, and I'll just say this again, Mahomes was terrific in that game. Yeah. The, the Chiefs had a really bad first half. That they got a, shut out. Those were the kind of moments that I think we both expected Jared Goff to crumble in yes. in his championship game. And Patrick Mahomes proved that if you weren't already aware. He is the real deal. He's the real deal. And he's going to get that $200 million contract. And he's going to be a multi-time Hall of Famer. And he's going to win multiple Super Bowls. I wouldn't go that far yet. But he's shown what we would expect someone who would fit that resume I would go to that show. far. That's probably another podcast. We've branched out to like five potential podcasts. I'll flag this podcast, and when Mahomes wins his first Super Bowl, I'll tag you in on Twitter. <laughs> oh man! And okay, wins his second Super, but you'll be happy. You like yeah, Mahomes? Yeah, I'll be happy. Yeah, I don't. I mean, I'm a big fan. This of isn't. Andy I Reed. told you so. Right. But I, I do kind of want to beat my own horn because I did pick Patrick Mahomes to win MVP before the season started. Sure. I did draft him in four fantasy football leagues. Sure. I was so high on Mahomes. And I was right about Mahomes. I'm wrong about a lot of things. <laughs> so when I am right, you have to make. I it have to make it count and make sure that everybody knows exactly. Um, but in this situation, and and you saw it, uh, you saw the difference that it made in this in the Saints Rams game too, because that game also went to overtime. The Saints offense had a chance. They blew that chance. Yep. But when you're in a situation of football like the Chiefs and Patriots were in. The Chiefs had their chance. They made it count. The Patriots had their chance. Made it count. The Chiefs had their chance again. Made it count. Then you get to an overtime period where there's no longer a clock management element. It's simply get in the end zone. And the Chiefs don't get a chance. And what I'm getting at is the Saints, they got their chance. They blew it. I can be fine with that. But when the when the rules are so skewed toward the offense, and I think we can agree, and even the most Hard-nosed football fans that go, man, you should have got a stop. You should have got this. Have to agree that the NFL product of today compared to even 10 years ago in terms of the entertainment value, in terms of the impact a defense could have on the game is significantly less. Why did they change the field goal rule in overtime? Why did they do that? Because in the NFL's mind at that point when they changed that rule was that if you got in the end zone, then that was good enough. But since then... The rules have changed even more. Exactly. No, I. That's what offense. I'm trying to bring you to. Right. It's like they had the rule originally in overtime. If you drove down and kicked a field goal, you win. And then they got right. to a point where time, it was it was too the easy. Competitive balance for the defense. You're right. You're right. right. And they keep moving these rules and not changing. They're not. The NFL is not cognizant of how their rule changes are impacting the games in an unbalanced way. Now, if the Chiefs went, I'm not saying that. Uh, 
you know, the Patriots suck. I'm not, you know, anything like that. If the I'm Chiefs saying, win that toss, I believe they win that game. Right. If the Chiefs win the toss, they win that game. If the Patriots win the toss, they win the game. If either team gets the toss and then turns the ball over, I can't be upset. Each team had their chance with the ball in their hands. But when it's such an offensive-focused game, from a competitive balance standpoint, for making the game interesting, for making it a good product, you can't have situations like this. And I'm not one to say, like, when you talk about, I, I'm not saying this because I want it fair for both teams necessarily. I just think it's so dumb that a team gets a leg up on another team because of a coin toss. Because right. the Patriots did not do enough to win that game in regulation. Nor did the Chiefs. Exactly. That's why so, they should each get an equal opportunity. And I agree with you. And the fact that the Patriots' defense doesn't get tested the way some of you say, just get a stop, how come the Patriots' defense doesn't have to just get a stop? Right. They're not Where in that position. It's the, really easy to say after the fact. Exactly. And I understand that's what the rule why is. Why are we not disagreeing? Because I don't know why. This feels weird. This does feel really weird because usually we do disagree on everything. We do disagree on Tom Brady. We do so disagree we have on that. Tom Brady. But as far as the overtime rules, that is something I would love to have be changed because the fact of the matter is we did have that rule with a field goal. If you kicked a field goal, you win. They recognized that was a problem. That was too easy. So they changed it to now you have to score a touchdown. If you kick a field goal, the other team has another chance. they got to go one step further to make it to both teams get an opportunity to possess the ball because a coin toss cannot decide the outcome. And I believe sometimes that is true in what happens. You look at the stats of how many teams win in overtime that win the coin toss. It's not that far off. It's like 54% or something like that. So it is pretty close, but that's not the point. Mm -hmm. The point of the matter is both teams deserve the same amount. Right. Because they're tied when after you, regulation. Right. And when you take the field to start the game tied at 0-0, you're guaranteed. You each have 60 minutes to state your case as the deserved winner of this game. And again, old school football guys will be like, no, that's not, you know, that's not how the game is played and this and that and blah, blah. Okay, but the game is so far gone from the kind of football that you, if you're of that position, enjoyed and kind of football I enjoyed. I liked Football games that could end 13 to 7. Defenses can still like win the game for you. Yeah, they still can. But I just, I, it bothers me so much that from a competitive balance standpoint, it's getting to the point, as people say, you might as well just play flag. You might as well, honestly, it's getting to the point that, you know, the way it's trending from, say, 2000 to now, so about a 20 year window, that 20 years from now, could literally be flag. It could someday. Now I want to take it back too, because you did say Proud, that you're like not having fun watching yeah, football it's not anymore. Fun anymore. So that I disagree with, because I had a blast watching both those games. Even though the blown call on the Saints, I still was invested in that game all the way through, mm -hmm. and I was pissed off at the end, not because I hate the Rams and not because I love the Saints, because I felt like the Saints got screwed, they got hosed, but they didn't do enough to finish that game despite having the ball to start overtime. Mm -hmm. Over the weekend, the teams that had the ball to start overtime won 50% of the time. Sure. So 
that proves a t- statistic that it is pretty even. But at the same time, I agree with you that over time, I would like to see a difference. Something not like college football, right? I don't necessarily. I don't know, know what that my idea was. Or it could I, just be a timed period. I did hear a really good idea, and I think I would be all for this. This would never happen, but I just think it would be a really cool thing to have. So the team that wins the coin toss, you start the clock at 15 minutes, just like normal, what they do for the playoff overtime rules, right? Say the Patriots score in seven minutes, okay? Now you set the clock at 6.59, and the (laughs) Chiefs have to go down and score. And if they score— Say it's six minutes and forty seconds. This you set where... the clock at six thirty nine, and the Patriots have to go down and answer. Like that would be awesome. But and... all this stuff comes in, and I think the majority of the people that are on the side of no, this is how it is. This is how I like it. Is because of player safety as well. The longer you play a game, that's a the more other... likely it is for somebody to sure. suffer an injury, and that's true. I understand that, but at the same time, I don't believe that you can end a game with a coin toss. Yeah, and, and sometimes that's how I feel. Like I felt like I felt like we were cheated out of the opportunity to see Patrick Mahomes get a chance to answer. And and two things on that front. I am not a medical doctor. I don't have any sort of statistic sheet in front of me to tell you how these rule changes in the name of player safety have actually improved player safety. I'm not saying any of that. What I am saying is some of these rules that are in the name of player safety, helmet to helmet hits, uh, roughing the passer, pass interference, face mask, horse collar, all that kind of stuff. Again, unfairly skew the game to the offense. If you're not going to call face masks on running backs, ripping defenders down by their face masks, then you can't tell me that that's a legitimate rule in the name of player safety. It's a rule in the name of increasing offensive production in games because you think it gets you better ratings and more viewers, which is very likely true. I mean, that game, the Patriots-Chiefs so game, safety, that was the highest— I want the players to be safe, but the NFL is an absolute joke when oh, it comes to player safety. I agree with you. I agree with you on that front. These rules aren't always meant to make players safer. But, in another sense, too, I miss kickoffs. I miss kickoffs also. I love kickoffs. Why did they change kickoffs? Most exciting point, play in the, in, in the NFL. I agree, and honestly, at the point it is now— I th- honestly, with what they've done to change the game at this point, you might as well just start from the twenty-five yard line. Just start from the twenty. Yeah, twenty or twenty-five. What do you um, want to do? Because given the what kick- they do, I don't want that. I'm just saying from what they've shown that they want to do with special teams in the NFL. I agree. Um, so then, then two notes on, on that as it pertains to player safety. There were there were two parts of that. The NFL, on a side note, really handcuffs themselves in the sense that they're so afraid of competition. And they're so afraid of, and I don't mean on the field, I mean with their league, they're so afraid of experimenting. And what I mean by that is Major League Baseball has a farm system. The NBA has the G League. There's other relatively influential overseas leagues in basketball where players can go. And the NBA then, perfectly well atop their perch, can still look at these leagues and in their own league, the G League or Major League Baseball and AAA, AA, uh, Class A ball, when they think they might want to experiment with something at the major league level, they can do a trial run to see how it impacts the game in these games that essentially don't matter for the majority of American sports fans. And the NFL, 
being so afraid of disrupting their uh, cronies in the NCAA and so afraid of, you know, developing their own viable competing league or so afraid of another league competing with their space, which... Nobody's competing, Nobody's with, competing the with the NFL. The XFL is not competing with the, the NFL. A, the American Football the Alliance, CFL, the Arena Football League, the European Football com- League. None of you are competing, so you might as well establish your presence in some smaller markets. San Antonio, uh, who know Boise? Who gives a shit? Boise, Idaho. Yeah, that's you know, a good one. Experiment with some of these rule changes before. You get to a point where it's like week four in the NFL and you go, wow, yeah, this roughing the passer rule we made really isn't turning out how we thought. Because then you look like an idiot. You're well, that did, the competitive that's balance their experiment time. But that's bullshit. Week, week one through week four is where they experiment. Which is Not the bullshit. preseason. Like, they, they tell you, like, we're going to try this out in the preseason. Like, okay, that's true. But they also continue it into the regular season, which is why you saw Clay Matthews get flagged for the roughing the passer on Kirk Cousins against the Vikings, which cost the Packers the game. Sure. I mean, they tied. Uh, a final point, because I know we're we're kind of up against the clock. We, we do these podcasts in a room that's shared by people in the building. and There's about four people looking in through the yeah, window right now just, trying to get in. We can't just sit here all day and, and kind of blow our tops. Or if we, I shouldn't say we. If we me, could, we would. Me. Yeah, if we could, we would. Um, the other thing, and this is, what I, this is really what was getting at me about um, between the way the Saints game ended And then the final, really like the whole fourth quarter in overtime of the Chiefs-Paths game. It's not just, because, you know, I don't like the Patriots, but I stopped liking the Patriots about five Super Bowl appearances ago. So them going this year was not going to make me hate them any more than I already do. So it's really not that vital to me in terms of my take on this, you know, that the Patriots ended up winning the game. It bothered me so much just disrupting the flow of the game. There were, I think two challenges, and three booth reviews in the final six minutes of regulation on top of horrible missed calls on penalties, and it disrupts the flow of the game in such a way that makes the product not fun to watch. Because I didn't watch the football game to hear from whoever, Dean Blandino or Mike Pereira, talk to me about how someone in New York who's not even at the game is going to decide, you know, on behalf of the officials that are there that are supposed to be doing their jobs, they can't do it. That, you know, this play is this or that. That's not why I watch. I want to watch football. And it disrupts the flow of the game, the incompetency, the inconsistent rules, the inability for, as you mentioned before, the officiating staff to know what a catch is or to be able to tell in the moment if something is in bounds. And it's not their fault, per se. The NFL doesn't put them in a position to be successful because they change the rules so often, because there's not enough officials on the field. And also, too, most of their officials are part-timers anyways. They're part-time. It's just the whole system is completely ridiculous. And so all of those things that you say, well, you know, the, the Saints, for example, or the Chiefs, for example, had so many opportunities earlier in the game. Yeah, they did. But at the same time, if all of these calls are happening on a Patriots offensive drive, These are like five bonus timeouts for them to draw up their plays that the Chiefs aren't getting. You know, while they're reviewing these plays, these are situations that off off paper, the the if come maybes, the what ifs of the NFL officiating in the NFL in these two championship games arguably ruined the product in both games. It directly changed or potentially directly changed again, because we're, we're not fortune tellers. But we can confidently say as a reasonable football fan that the role of officiating 
dictated potentially the outcome of both games. You can say that. And it's ridiculous. That shouldn't happen in any sport. So I'm going to watch the Super Bowl because I'm not, how am I not going to watch the Super Bowl as bitter as I am? One point I'm going to make really quick, which makes me really excited for the Super Bowl. Sure. You know who the MVP of that Patriots Chiefs game was? Uh, no, I turned it off in disgust and poured a fat drink. Tony Romo. Oh, yeah. Guy's awesome, yeah. man. Like, that guy is awesome. Mixed reviews. Tony Romo is scripting like, the NFL. I would like Tony Romo better because I like the sense of not knowing what's coming. That's part of the excitement of the NFL. It's part of the excitement of the ephemeral nature of sports. That He's not it could always right. No, he's, he's not, not 90%, always right. He's 90% right. right. Yeah. But I think he could, for himself, make so much more money if someone, you know, NFL Network or whoever, just gave him his own show. <laughs> Breaking down, <laughs> just breaking down plays, breaking down be, film. He should be a defensive coordinator is what he should be. Yeah, he should. <laughs> I mean, he knows what's coming every play. Uh, Cowboys Twitter. We talk about Bucks Twitter on the fan a lot. Cowboys Twitter has been blowing up since the dismissal of Scott Linehan after the, uh, this Sunday's game that they want Tony Romo. And they booed him out of town. Staff. They booed him out of town for Dak Prescott. Wow. What which a, was, and, and I'll tell you what, those two don't even compare. Tony Romo was a much better better quarterback quarterback. than Dak freaking Prescott. And, yeah, so now, you know, Cowboys Twitter is calling for Jason Garrett's head on a plate, which is probably long overdue, even though they made the playoffs and won a playoff game Jerry Jones likes him, though. Um, But Jerry Jones likes him, but Jerry Jones also loves him some Tony Romo. Yeah, he does. Um, And so that could be a first in the NFL. We've seen it in baseball where managers, and we've seen it in the NBA with head coaches, with without any coaching experience, go from their playing days into a head position. Oh, hey, Tony Romo went without any Tony broadcast Romo, experience into a broadcast position, could, and he's killing it, man. Tony Romo could do that. I mean, the fact that he replaced Phil Sims, who was one of the worst yeah, color Phil analysts. Sims was rough. He was great on the Madden games with Jim Nance, but that's no, that was a scripted. scripted yeah, yeah. He was you just read some lines that somebody else writes Gus for you. Gus Johnson was by far the best Madden commentator. I still just miss John Madden. John, well, yeah, but I mean, like <laughs> that's an exception to the rule kind of yeah. thing. So, hey, just, another podcast for a future time is how much Madden sucks now. Oh my god, dude, it's the worst. I still play uh, twenty five at the newest because even that one was starting to get bad enough that I. I wish they brought it. back NCAA football. I know why they can't. Yeah, I just wish they could. Um, so kind of to tie a bow on this thing, because again. You know, we kind of got to wrap things up here. We agreed that the Saints got screwed. Yes. We agreed that the overtime rules are questionable at best. Yes. We agreed that in some way, shape, or form, you could make the case for any of these four teams getting screwed and for any of the four teams had the opportunity to take destiny into their own hands at a different juncture in the game. Absolutely. Um. So... The prompt of the text was, let's do a podcast together. I don't think we'll agree on anything. And we proceeded in Should our we even unscripted, post unplanned. Yeah, we're going to post it because I I, <laughs> uh, I think cause as all radio guys, as little as we might think, even those of us that think we don't have an ego have an ego and we want people to know that we did something or had a thought. Absolutely. Um, so my my instinct, my gut instinct when I texted you, that we should do a podcast because we're not going to agree about the championship games uh, turned out to be completely incorrect. So you thought so the that, entire premise of our podcast. Was, do, do you follow me on Twitter flawed. or Facebook? Yeah, I follow you on both. Okay, so Twitter and Facebook, I I put a Facebook post out and a tweet out right after the Saints game. Saints got screwed. Yeah, and then right after the Patriots game, after like 19 gifts of Tom Brady, 
I put a post that said, overtime rules are garbage, though. Yeah. And here we are. Here we are. Didn't do your prep work, Anthony. Well, I I thought that would make for a good (laughs) podcast. Because I made a deliberate effort to, or we, I should say, made a deliberate effort not to at length talk about any of these positions before we turn the mics on in here. And this was the first take. Some podcasters will do two takes or they'll go partway through it and be like, let's redo that part. Oh, definitely not. Because like, that's I stupid. never. That's not how live radio. I works. never that's give part of a the charm. We, I will never give a take just to disagree with somebody. Sure, I will. This give, isn't first take, which is a god awful show. And if oh god, again, don't a even podcast for another. Hey, look, there's Bart Winkler grabbing his genitals in the hallway. I can't believe he's still here. He's sick. Yeah, he's sick, and he's here two and a half hours after his show ended. What's he doing though? I don't know. Should we go ask him? He probably just. In the bathroom for the last hour and a half or so something. Eating wings. Eating wings. <laughs> I still never forget that story. Oh, it's one of the best. And I actually, I think I heard that story before I met Bart. I was listening to the fan at that time. I heard it from Bart. Oh, you heard it off the air. Off the air. Yeah. Oh, it's got a lot more zing to it on yeah. the air. Oh, I know. Uh, one of the best. One of the first best of Chuck and Winklers I ever did. That was played twice. Outstanding. <laughs> it's Outstanding great story. Outstanding stuff. Terrific. Well, Anthony still had fun despite us not really debating too much. Yeah. It seems like we're in agreement on almost everything that's going on in the NFL right now. I just kind of like screamed into my microphone in frustration that we were agreeing. That's why I'm here. I'm here. To, see, the funny thing is. You have even, a calming presence. I even don't know if anyone's we, ever told that Even about when you. we agree, it still sounds like we're disagreeing. Sure. <laughs> but has anyone ever told that about you, that you have a calming presence? That's why I'm here. Like right now, he's just like looking at me. And I just... I mean, I, I want to disagree with that, and I can. What else am I going to look at, though? I don't you know? know. There's a hallway. You can see you can see into our fine affiliates at 99.1 The Mix. We got plenty of stuff we're going to disagree on, though, oh, that yeah. we could do future podcasts on. We could Something I learned about pod- yeah. Anthony today Ooh, is really? that he's not huge on sour cream and onion chips, right. which is the best potato chip out there. Uh, agree to disagree. It's an <laughs> acceptable flavor, but it's not a... Of course. It's not a... Anything else you want to add? home run here. Um... Go Rams, I guess. Yeah. Go Patriots. There we go. Okay, go we Brady. disagreed. Finally, there we go. To sign off. We disagreed. All thanks. right. I guess thanks for listening. How do we? I don't do as many podcasts. I don't know. I, how like, do you like to sign? Bart off? always gives me shit for how I sign off. I just say thanks for tuning in and catch us next time. That's Anthony Mandela. I'm Cody Grant. This is 105.7 FM, the Fan. And then you just stop talking. Yeah. So I just turn it off then. I guess is that what we do? Is all of a sudden we just stop talking? I think so. Oh. <laughs>